Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. I will be your host for today, Kathy. Today, we will discuss episode 44 of the story of Yanxi Palace or Yanxi Gonglue. This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. This is your friendly reminder to vote on our website for the drama that you want us to discuss next. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter, or else email us at Kathy at ChasingDramas.com. This podcast episode will consist of a drama episode recap, and then I'll move on to discuss the history portrayed in this episode. In episode 43, Wei Yingluo and Emperor Qianlong finally consummated their relationship. And since then, she's gotten quite a bit of favor from the emperor. Wei Yingluo, though, continues to play games with the emperor to solidify her favor with him, which he, despite being a little bit peeved, takes too gladly. But there is someone who is not at all pleased with this development, and that is Xiao Jiaping. She is the younger sister of the deceased Jiaping and was one of the most favored women in the palace until Yingluo came along. Well, Xiao Jiaping, because she is an imperial concubine and Wei Yingluo is only a guiren or a noble lady, forces Wei Yingluo to kneel for several hours one day because she felt like it, and then went off to cry to the emperor about how rude Wei Yingluo has been to her. These are all lies, of course, but the emperor, for some reason, believes her. At least for now. Upon hearing these words, the emperor also remembers how she used to treat him in Changchungong and orders for her placard to be removed. This signifies to the entire imperial harem that he will no longer see her anymore. And this also kind of signifies that, hey, maybe her favor will no longer go so far. Well, does Yingluo care? Nope, not at all. <laughs> She's having a grand old time having a swing put together in her palace. Much to the chagrin of the emperor, who is annoyed that Yingluo hasn't come by to explain or beg for forgiveness, Yingluo is just doing her own thing. It's really funny because even Li Yu, the eunuch, is worried for Yingluo about how little she cares about the emperor or like outwardly care about the emperor. <laughs> I love how in the beginning of the drama, Li Yu was like, who is this maid? And now he's like, come on, Wei Yingluo, you need to, you know, capture the emperor's attention. Well, Yingluo makes no move to do any of that, but... A couple days later, the emperor hears from the imperial doctor Ye Tianshi that Yingluo was forced to kneel for several hours by none other than Xiao Jiaping, and her knees are pretty badly bruised. Next thing we know, a million gifts are being sent to Yingluo's residence from the emperor. One of them includes a painting by Zhao Mengfu called The Autumn Colors of Que and Hua Mountains, or Evidently, they're his apology for his treatment towards Wei Yingluo, but 
Yunluo just plays dumb and ignores Li Yu's explanation of the emperor's non-verbal apology. She then <clears throat> coughs a few coughs and Ming Yu steps in and says that Yunluo caught a cold while out playing on the swings. Yunluo's refusal severely pisses off the emperor who, in his residence, angrily shouts that she will never sleep with him again. But just as the other women in the palace begin to snicker at Yunluo's rash actions, the emperor gets another surprise. The emperor, when greeting the empress dowager, learns that the painting he had gifted Yunluo has been then gifted once again to the empress dowager. She, as in Wei Yunluo, not knowing that this was originally in the emperor's collection, gives it back to the empress dowager. The emperor's reaction is pretty funny because he then storms out of the empress dowager's residence, fuming that someone would discard his gift so easily. All of this was witnessed by Chun Guifei, who cannot fathom how Yunluo could do such a thing. Yet, it all turns out plays right into Yingluo's scheme as the emperor's next stop is, of course, to Yan Xigong. I feel like he just like huffs and puffs and like rushes over to interrogate Yingluo as to why she behaves the way she does. He claims that he sees right through her little schemes of making him constantly think about her, to which she responds, so you know it's my scheme, then why are you so mad? I thought this scene was hilarious because it took a different turn than I expected. The emperor drags Wei Yingluo to the bedroom and for a second there, it looked like he was about to assault her, which I was like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. But then as soon as Yingluo starts choking, he's like, wait, are you okay? I didn't use any pressure. And uh, he lets go. <laughs> Aw, the emperor is still like a gentleman at heart, despite being like, Furious. I think Nia Yuan did an excellent job because you can literally see like the blood veins popping out. <laughs> well, this little back and forth helps the emperor reaffirm his affections for Yingluo. And when he leaves Yan Xigong, he decrees that Yingluo will now be promoted from noble lady to imperial concubine. So from Guiren to Pin, and then also given the title of Ling. Additionally, Xiao Jiapin, the woman who punished Yingluo, is grounded for one month in her palace and must copy the virtues of women, or Nuzi, 100 times. This sudden announcement surprises everyone because this promotion can be seen as unwarranted. Being a Pin or the rank of imperial concubine meant that Yingluo now runs her own palace. She will now be able to refer to herself as Ben Gong and is no longer a Xiaozhu or a small mistress. The lower ranking women in the palace and the servants will now refer to her as Niang Niang. During the Qing dynasty, there could be only six Pin at any given point in time, and there needed to be a royal decree and proper ceremony to be conferred to the title of Pin. So this is a big Promotion for Wei Yingluo, especially because she hasn't been in the palace for long. She skipped several ranks to get to the title of Guiren, and now she is a Pin without any children. That is a huge leap. If you think about um, Shu Pin, 
who we saw a couple episodes ago, she said it took her a long time just to get to the title of Pin. But now we have Wei Yingluo in basically the span of an episode. I mean, time like TV show-wise, it's time is a little bit different. But regardless, this did not take long for her to get here. It's no wonder that Chun Guifei and I would say many other women in the palace are deeply unhappy at this news. The rest of the episode sees the return of Fu Hong after his victory in Jinchuan. He is, of course, happy to come home to see his mother, but is quickly reminded of what else he has to come home to. His wife, Er Qing, and her son, Fu Kong An. <sighs> er Qing is an absolute piece of work. She blames him for locking her up and almost dying during childbirth. Fu Hung rightly retorts with, well, you made a crazy decision and now you have to live with the consequences. This whole conversation is just like them hurting each other. But Er Qing, in retaliation, reveals the bombshell that Wei Yingluo is now Ling Pin, which stuns Fu Hung. He rushes to the palace to see the truth for himself. Unfortunately, reality really packs a punch when he sees Wei Yingluo carried past him with no acknowledgement of him on a palanquin, clearly with the rank of someone high in the imperial harem. Well, the reason that Fu Hung is in the palace is because he's there to report back to the emperor. Emperor Qianlong is very pleased with the results and promotes him to a duke of the first rank. But Fu Hong does not seem overly ecstatic about this honor. Honestly, that was kind of like an awkward meeting between Fu Hong and the emperor because I feel like, or not I feel like, I know that the emperor in the back of his mind was also like, ooh, Wei Yingluo is now my woman. I cannot have Fu Hong just request anything that he wants. Well, back home, Fu Hong sheds many tears as he reminisces the pull that he felt while on the battlefield to win the war so that he might ask for Wei Yingluo's hand in marriage as a reward. Unfortunately, it is all too late for him. Fu Hong, I feel for you. I really, really do. It was, as I said, a touching scene. And honestly, I think this was probably one of the best acting that the actor Xu Kai does in the drama. It also, I think, is a rare scene where a man was able to show heartbreak and tears. We don't see this too often in dramas. If you'll recall with the emperor, even when the empress died, he was distraught, but it wasn't like tears were flowing down his face as we saw in this scene. But, you know, coming back to the drama, as Fu Hung's sister, the empress told him years ago, he was going to regret his decision. Wei Yingluo will not turn back to him, and she hasn't. He chose to let go, and now, as he told Er Qing to face her consequences, he must face his consequences. That is it for this episode recap, and let's move on to history. In this episode, Wei Yingluo gets promoted from noble lady or guirin to pin or imperial concubine at an astonishing pace. This surprisingly mirrors history. She was first granted the title of noble lady or guirin on the 23rd day of the first month in 1745. 
She was then promoted to Lingpin on the 17th day of the 11th month in the same year. She also had her official promotion ceremony around the same time. We are in like 1750 right now in the drama, so disregard the year that the events happen in the drama, but just know that in history, Wei Yingluo must have done something right because she really did get that fast promotion. Well, next, let's talk about the word Ling. In the drama, both Yu Fei and Chun Gui Fei discuss the origins of the title. It comes from the Book of Songs, or Shi Jing, which is a compilation of songs and poems that date back over 2,500 years. The poem comes specifically from Da Ya Quan E. Now, the words Quan E also can be spoken as Juan A. But I specifically went to listen to an official recording of this poem, and it is spoken as Quan E. So we will go with that. The full line in this poem goes like this: Yong Yong Ang Ang, Ru Gui Ru Zhang, Ling Wen Ling Wang, Kai Di Junzi, Si Fang Wei Gang. My translation for the lines goes as such: Courtiers are respectful. With characters as pure as the jade, with a reputation admired by all, a kind and amiable king is the role model to all. In the drama, the focus is on these two lines: Ru Gui Ru Zhang, Ling Wen Ling Wang. And as we hear, Ling comes from Ling Wen Ling Wang, which is the title that is conferred to Wei Yingluo. Ling Wen means a great reputation. Ling Wang means a prestige that people look up to. Put together, this phrase Ling Wen Ling Wang means one with a respected and prestigious reputation that others want to imitate. In addition, in the historical compilation of Hong Cheng Tongyong, which recorded the posthumous titles of Qing Dynasty emperors, empresses, and women in the imperial harem, it states that Ling. Also matches with the Manchu word of Mergen, which means intelligent and wise. Now, based on what we just heard, both from the explanation on the phrase Ling Wen Ling Wang in the Book of Song, and what we just heard about the Manchu kind of explanation or、uh, translation, they all are very positive traits and really reflect a high praise that Emperor Qianlong had for the historical counterpart of Wei Yingluo. Ling as a character is not a title that is given frequently, if at all, to women in the imperial harem. So it really does mean something that Qianlong or Emperor Qianlong decided to confer this specific word to Wei Yingluo. I'll remind listeners that these titles were not to be made lightly. If you'll recall, in Empresses in the Palace. Emperor Yongzheng refused to give the character An Lingrong the title of Li, because Li was used in Kang Li Qingshen, which was reserved for husband and wife. Since An Lingrong was not his wife, she did not deserve that title. Now I know that Empresses in the Palace is also a drama, and An Lingrong is a fictitious character. But this is another example of why the titles for these women were very important.
Alrighty, that was enough talk about Ling. Let's now turn our attention towards the painting that was the subject of anger from the emperor, and in my mind, some subtle jealousy from Chun Guifei. It is, of course, the Tuehua Tiusetu by Zhao Mengfu, or the Autumn Colors of Tue and Hua Mountains. This is a watercolor painting that was completed by Zhao Mengfu in 1295 during the Yuan Dynasty. He painted this particular work for his friend Zhou Mi when he returned to his hometown in the province of Zhejiang. On the left of the painting, we have Tue Shan, which is the Tue Mountains, and on the right we have the tall Hua Fu Zhu Shan, or also colloquially known as Hua Shan. This is very, very interesting because when you read the written、uh, words, it's actually Hua Bu Zhu Shan, but locally it is actually pronounced Hua Fu Zhu Shan. As is written in the name, though, this painting depicts the autumn colors of the mountains and the valley, with small houses shown closer to Tue Shan to represent the tranquility of the moment. It is a favorite painting as it showcases deft skill of the brush, usage of vibrant colors, and an overall dashing feel to the work. The author Zhao Mengfu lived from 1254 to 1322 and was from, as I said, Zhejiang and a descendant of the founding emperor of the Song Dynasty. Note his last name was Zhao, which was, of course, the royal last name of the Song Dynasty. During the last years of the Song Dynasty, which is when he grew up, he enlisted in the military. When the Mongols toppled the empire, he actually became a favored official in the court of the Yuan Dynasty, holding posts in, for example, the Ministry of War. Outside of his exploits at court, though, he was a skilled musician, poet. Painter and calligrapher, so he was an all-round, as you would say, an accomplished man. Now the painting was gifted to the author's friend Zhou Mi. He then, in turn, gifted it to another guy called Jun Xi. During the Ming Dynasty, it was then collected by famed scholars such as Wen Zhongming, Wen Peng, and the collector Xiang Yuanbian. By the time of the Qing Dynasty, it was owned by the famous poet Na Lan Xingde. It was subsequently owned by the royal collection during the time of Emperor Qianlong, where it remained in the Forbidden Palace for the remainder of the Qing Dynasty. In 1949, when the Nationalist Party evacuated Beijing for Taiwan, they moved several treasures from the Forbidden Palace to Taiwan along with them. This includes. This specific painting, Tuehua Tiusetu, is now found in the National Palace Museum in Taipei. Emperor Qianlong, when he owned it, wrote four large characters on the painting, Tuehua Tiusetu, which of course is reflected in the title. We have clues actually on who owned the painting at different times because these men loved putting stamps on the painting or stamps of their seals on the painting. None more so than our current emperor, Emperor Qianlong, and we'll talk about this hobby of his in future episodes. According to Bai Ke, there are over 100 seals stamped onto the painting. I'm looking at pictures of it, and oh boy, there are a lot of seals. So I believe, like when Bai Ke says, there's over 100. 
Which brings me to a fun little bug. The example that the drama showcases is probably like the current version of the painting and one where I can compare. This basically means I'm looking at the picture of the painting and comparing it to what is shown in the drama. Well, what is shown in the drama is not the one that existed at the time in 1750. Why do I say this? Because in the shot where they showcase the painting, there is clearly a seal with the words Tai Shang Huang Di to the top right of the painting. The seal Tai Shang Huang Di was added by Qianlong, but Tai Shang Huang means retired emperor. So this must have been added after Qianlong abdicated his throne decades after the scene that we have here. There is no way he would have put this specific seal on a painting when he was still in his prime. So because of that, and I'm kind of proud of myself because I feel like in this episode, I'm proud of myself in several instances. But anyways, <laughs> I was actually just looking at the painting and noticed this little fact. Because of the location of the seal and the fact that we're seeing it, there is little to no way that this painting that they're showcasing is contemporary to the time period where this is being shown. But it is a very good replica of the current one that we can still see. So if any listeners are able to or are lucky enough to go to Taipei, please head over to the museum to get a glimpse of this famous painting. I honestly can't remember if I saw this painting when I went to the museum in Taipei. There was just a lot to see. Um, so maybe I saw it and completely forgot. This one did not stand out to me though. <laughs> and lastly, let me talk about the timing of Fu Hong's return. We discussed it sort of in episode 41, uh, when we discussed the actual uh, war and battles. So he left in the drama after the Empress died in 1748. We also have the drama saying that he was gone for three years. So that puts us in like 1751. In history, though, he made quick work of the Battle of Jinchuan and returned in 1749. So here, as we can see, the timing is a little bit off. He was, as is in the drama, promoted to Duke of the First Rank as Zhong Yonggong and gifted Si Tuan Long Bu Fu, or Four Dragon Badge Square. Now this was a crazy high honor because only the emperor, princes, and basically tri-princes could wear this. It meant that in the front, back, and two shoulders, there were dragons displayed for formal court wear. In the 200 plus years of the Qing Dynasty, this honor was granted only 73 times. I mean, 73 might seem like a lot, but it definitely was not. Of course, there was still a difference between what the emperor wore versus the rest of the royal family and, of course, these court officials. But for non-royalty, such as Fu Hong, to be allowed to wear dragons was nevertheless an extremely high honor. Fu Hong now must face the reality of an imperial concubine, Lin. How will he behave? I also totally forgot about the existence of Er Qing for the last couple of episodes, and I personally think that that was so refreshing. But now, whenever she's on screen, ugh, she is just the worst. I also didn't talk about Chun Guifei and the constant hints towards the city of Suzhou, 
But we will talk about all of that and her, of course, in the next couple of episodes. And that is it for this podcast episode. Remember to vote on our website at ChasingDramas.com. If you're looking for sites to watch dramas and you're in the U.S., please head over to our sponsor, Jubao TV. That's J-U-B-A-O TV. It is a free service that has a selection of Chinese dramas and movies to watch. They also just launched on Plex. You can stream it through the website Jumo or XUMO or else access it on TV if you have Xfinity or Cox Contour. Again, all of this is free. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode and we will catch you all in the next one.